Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. Today we have a special extra edition. I'm here with my co-host, David Tainter. Hello, Josh. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Well, we've got a, a, a special and important episode today. Uh, earlier this week, we had episode nine of the Josh Marshall Podcast, and that was everything about Michael Cohen, everything we know about Michael Cohen, not just what is happening today uh, in, the, in the 10 days since those FBI raids uh, on his home and and uh, hotel, hotel and businesses office, and, yeah. and safety deposit box and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, but we, we, see, we have been reporting on Cohen for more than a year. So we know a lot about what he was involved in before he got in with Donald Trump, his personal background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we put all of that into episode nine of the podcast. But a lot has come out in the two days since that podcast was released. So we thought it was really important to bring you up to date on some pretty critical new developments on the Michael Cohen front. And this this is a key story for TPM, we should mention. I mean, you know, we've, like you say, we've been covering him for a long time. There's more news than we can fit in any one podcast. So make sure to just visit the site and, and get all... You know, get all of our coverage. Yeah, if you don't, and especially if you're not familiar with uh, TPM, the, the URL is talkingpointsmemo.com. Come and see all of our reporting on this issue. We do a ton of stuff. You can also subscribe to TPM Prime, and that's where we do some of our, our most in-depth sort of piecing together of, of how these stories work. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to bring you up to date. Uh, before we do that, we've got a We've you know got, what time it is. Yeah, we've got to sell some coffee here. So let me tell you this. Calling all cold brew fans. Spring has finally sprung. So it's time to switch from hot coffee to Grady's cold brew, the most refreshing pick-me-up around. Our famous blend uses 100% Arabica beans from Indonesia and Ethiopia with just a hint of, fr- of French chicory for the smoothest, richest, most indulgent iced coffee experience, all delivered directly to your door at a fraction of what it costs from the coffee shop. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. All right, so let's get let's get down to this. So, David, let, let's walk through this. We we already knew, and we discussed in in episode nine that we knew Cohen came into the Trump organization because he was a conduit for money from Russia, Ukraine, immigrants from Russia and immigrants from from Ukraine. We also knew that his uncle, a guy named Morton Levine, owned a social club out in Brooklyn that in the in the 80s and 90s was reputed to be a, kind of like a mob hangout. So, okay, that's interesting. You sort of put these put these different factors together. Finally, we knew that from his 20s, really kind of from from the time he got out of school, Cohen got his business start in a lot of industries. I don't know if you call taxis an industry, but you know what I mean. Got his start in a lot of industries that are heavily infiltrated by the mafia. So that's also interesting. Now, all that interesting stuff, but in the right after we released that podcast, we found out some information that takes it all a bit deeper. Now, the first thing we're going to talk about is this social club out in Brooklyn, which uh, was has been owned for decades and I believe is still owned by uh, a doctor named Morton Levine, who is Michael Cohen's uncle. Sounds like a TPM field trip. Yeah, no, totally. It totally is. We've got to send someone out here. So so here's the thing. So we knew that we knew that part about, you know, this is a place where, where mafiosi hang out and stuff like that. But it turns out it's quite a bit more. So in the 70s, basically in from the 70s through the 90s, the Russian mafia 
in New York, which in that era was basically the Russian mafia in the United States. The boss of the Russian mafia worked out of an office in the El Caribe Social Club. <laughs> now that's that's interesting. Yeah, right. Put, it, put us on the map. Where is this club located in the, in the city? I believe it's out near Brighton Beach. Okay, I don't know so sort of the same area where Michael Cohen sort of came of age, where we've talked about it sort of being the the center point of this whole Ex- world. Exactly, and that's out in, out in out in uh, Brooklyn. If you don't know the uh, the geography of New York, I think it's it's either in Brighton Beach or it's near Brighton yep. Beach. So it's around there. Okay, so so Michael Cohen's uncle owns a social club, catering club, social club. It's known as a bomb hangout. Now we know that actually the Russian mob was run out of this social club. Right. For, not just not just a dinner reservation, but yes, a desk and exactly, a chair. And <laughs> exactly. Exactly. An office. They, they rented an office. The boss rented an office that ran out of there. So um, in the... So here's a little bit more we know. First, let's talk about a guy named F.C. Agron. I'm not sure I'm totally pronouncing that right. F.C. Agron. Okay. He was the boss in the in the late 70s and 80s. He had the office in the El Caribe, and he was the boss of, of the Russian mafia in New York. And again, at the time, that was kind of the Russian mafia in Los Angeles. Now, things didn't end up great for him. We've talked about this. In 1985, he was gunned down in a mob hit. So that was the end of, of Mr. Agron. Now, uh, it was widely assumed by everybody in law enforcement that his killing was ordered by a guy named Marat Balagula. Now, he was like the underboss under Agron, and the, the, the cops thought he had put the hit on Agron. In any case, he succeeded Agron. So now he's, he's running the, the operation out of, um, out of the social club. He goes on until 1991 when he gets indicted and sent to prison for, you know, the miscellaneous things that 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 mobsters do, and at that point, the guy who takes over is a guy named Vic, uh, Boris Neifeld. Mm. Now, the reason, the, the way we found out about this is that a couple a month or two ago, there's actually a story in the Associated Press about uh, Boris Neifeld. Now, he's just Mr. Neifeld has just Neifeld. I should say, like I I'm actually have Russian Jewish background. I should be, I should be a little <laughs> more on top of this stuff. Um, he just got out of his most recent stay in, in the federal penitentiary, and he is 70 years old, and he would just like to go back to Russia at this point. Kind in of the started, twilight of yeah, his years. Yeah, he wants to start a new life, yeah. and you know, it's, it's, that's, life is, that's how life is. Um, and so he wants to go back, but I guess he's still on probation for, for three years. So he so can't, probably can't travel. Or... Yeah, he can't leave the country. So that's, that's uh, you, can, you can Google this. Look, you can look it up again. Boris Neifeld, N-A-Y-F-E-L-D. It, it is a, let's, let's say it's a, um, it's a colorful story <laughs> and there's some good pictures in, in, oh, nice. on it. Yeah. So, okay. So, so that happens. And an interesting little sideline to this is Neifeld was the bodyguard and kind of like enforcer for both Agron and Balagula. So he's in that he's in that orbit. He's coming and he, up, and he ta- and he took over when when Balagula, you know, they call it still the big house when he got sent so, to yeah. sent to yep. sent to the pen. Now it sounds like he was a much better bodyguard for Mister Balagula than he was for Mister Agron. Ah. Right. I mean, because he got sure. hit. So yeah, yep, anyway. There you go. All right. So that's the first part of this. And that is a that's a much closer connection than we knew about to uh, 
they call it Russian organized crime. It's kind of a lot of these guys are from Ukraine, but we understand, you know, kind of for, for the purposes of simplicity, sort of same difference. Okay. Now, the, uh, the, where this fits is another thing that we know is that uh, Michael Cohen, in his teens, was friends with Felix Sater, who obviously is another guy in the Trump orbit and so on and so forth. One of the, one of the questions has always been, how did he meet Felix Sater? Yeah. Uh, Michael Cohen grew up in a part of Long Island called Five Towns, which is just on the eastern – I don't have a map in front of me, so bear with me – just on the east, eastern side of Jamaica Bay. And Brighton. So not not far outside the city, really. Yeah, pretty close, pretty um, very near in on on Long Island. And he had a his father's a doctor. He had a pretty you know upper middle class upbringing. Went to a, a fancy high private high school and so forth. And Felix Sater is an immigrant from. I'm not sure if we know whether he, he was from Russia or Ukraine, but a child you know childhood immigrant from there, and grew up in Brighton Beach, which is just on the other side of. Jamaica Bay, but worlds away, like culturally speaking, yeah. basically. Uh, and so that's, and that, but that's where the, the El Caribe is and so on and so forth. So, and the thing with, with Felix Sater is, according to court filings, his father is a capo in something called the Mogilevich crime family, which is the biggest Russian organized crime syndicate, which still exists. Okay. So, He's kind of part of that world. So how do these guys meet each other, right? How, how, how do they become childhood friends? Well, it seems pretty clear everybody's hanging around the social club, and that's where, like, literally the Russian mafia in New York has run out of <laughs> yeah. there. So, okay, so that, that, was one, um, that was one big thing. Now, the other thing just we, we just sort of came across yesterday and it adds another part to the picture. Now, we've, we've discussed before that Michael Cohen is married to a Ukrainian immigrant, uh, his in-laws, Ukrainian immigrant family. His brother, Michael Cohen's brother, whose name is Brian, also married into a U- Ukrainian immigrant family. Um, we haven't known, and, and the, uh, the brother's in-laws uh, set the brothers up with like a, a, some, some business interests in Ukraine, but we haven't. We haven't known too much more on that front other than everybody was like kind of buying Trump condos and, and, and stuff like that. But in a new book, which, which I will discuss in a minute, there is a key new piece of information that really fills in a gap in how Michael Cohen came into the Trump organization. Again, we know he came in because he's a source of, he's a conduit for money. He's but buying that, apartments. Trump a, takes notice of this. Yeah, and he sees that there's, this guy seems to move a lot of money, yeah. bring him into the organization. But that still left out a lot of details about just the mechanics of who knew who and stuff like that. Right. Well, now we come to a man named Fima Schusterman. That is Michael's father-in-law. He is another Ukrainian immigrant. Um, I mean, makes sense. He's the father of the yep. Ukrainian immigrant yep, yep. wife. Came here in 1975. And according to this, this new book, which is actually called uh, Trump Russia, The Definitive History. I mean, it's actually a great book. You, you, I, I found, I've already, I mean, I'm like a total coenologist, but I've already found out from this book um, some key stuff. Not the most original title. 
comes out in May, right? Like, I think yeah, it comes out yeah. like the beginning of May. It's by a guy named Seth Hetna, um, who we've known from other uh, investigative reporting scandal type stories. In any case, what we find out here is, according to this book, FEMA was the one who introduced Michael Cohen to Donald Trump. And apparently, it was as a favor to FEMA Schusterman that Cohen got the job as lead inside counsel and uber double vice president of the Trump organization, <laughs> all, of his, all of his inflated titles and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, now, a key thing is, uh, and, and the, 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 this, this part is a little ambiguous, but it seems that FEMA Schusterman may have been a silent partner of Trump in other business ventures, connecting him to Russian adventures, uh, investors, before Michael Cohen even came into the orbit. So Schusterman seems to be the key guy here who, who, who kind of connects, connects everything up. He's just not some other person. He also has, he was, uh, bef- the year before Michael married his daughter, uh, whose name is Laura Cohen, uh, Schusterman had to plead out to a, a tax fraud uh, indictment and you know, got probation and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so just he's, a, he's, yeah, so he's just, familiar with the law. So just to catch us up, we've known Michael Cohen as a conduit to money from the former Soviet Union. It sounds like his father-in-law is kind of the foundation of that relationship or kind of just access. Yeah, he's either the the source of the money or he's where the connections come from for the money or something like right. that. And it seems like there's there was, likely is, a relationship between Trump and Schusterman. And Schusterman says, hey, my son-in-law here, he's always loved Trump since he was in high school. You got to bring him <laughs> into the organization. Needs a job. Yeah. Um, so that is very interesting. We also know now from this book that it was, we, we've wondered before, how did, how did Michael Cohn get into the, how and why did he get into the taxi business? Well, it turns out that Schusterman had been in the taxi business for decades, and he got Michael Cohen into the taxi business. Schusterman also has connections with this other uh, uh, immigrant, uh, Ukraine, Russia immigrant uh, taxi kingpin, Simon Garber. All these guys are connected. Now we know how uh, uh, Michael Cohen got into this, and we have a much better sense of what the channel of money is. Now, the last thing is, and this just came out yesterday, since the raids on Cohen's various places, there have, been, there have been a number of reports that federal investigators are interested in that taxi business. Again, that makes a lot of sense because it is a business that certainly in that community is heavily infiltrated by uh, organized crime. And we've also known that they are particular, particularly interested in and the warrants apparently name a family called the Steiners. Now, the Steiners run a fleet of about 360 taxis in Chicago. They actually live in New York. I think they live in Forest Hills. But the point is, they're they're a New York family, but they are major players in the taxi uh, industry in Chicago. We knew that they run Mike uh, Michael Cohen's, you know, Michael Cohen has medallions for for Chicago, he runs them. So they're in business together. Michael Cohen has loaned money to them. Okay. What we learned yesterday is, in addition to those loans, the size of which we're not really sure of, uh, sure of, in the last eight months, 
Schusterman, the same guy, Michael's father-in-law, has loaned the, the, the Steiner family between 20 and $40 million. A lot of money either A way. A lot of money, it. yeah. Uh, just in the last eight months. Now, even in sort of Trump land, 20 to $40 million, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Now, and the range there, this is, this is from an article in the Chicago Sun-Times. The range there is because usually when you, ha- when you, when you need to fill out government forms about loans, it'll, they have ranges. They don't say exact figures. So you'll say like, you know, this loan was between one and $5 million or five and 10, et cetera. So that's the range. We don't know. Yeah. It is at least $20 million yeah. just in the last eight months. Now- why that is happening, we have no idea. We know federal investigators are interested in this. Um, all of the people in this orbit, Schusterman, Garber, this guy Gene Friedman, another another person from the same milieu, they have all had colorful interactions with the law. Yeah. Cohen is like the only guy who's never, I don't think he's ever been in legal trouble. You know, maybe he's got a a speeding ticket or something yeah, like that, yeah. but real legal trouble. Right. And in fact, I was reading an article yesterday. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's escaping me where it was uh, for the moment, but went through his history, and he, he's like the he's like the Zelig of <laughs> of of sort of shady, if not crooked, <laughs> like you know, kind of Russian Ukraine immigrant right. uh, business stuff because at every stage like i i i apologize uh, we'll we'll put the the link to the article i'm talking about in the in the post for this episode at every stage you know here's his partners here oh they all went to jail here's his business partners here. oh they all went to jail yeah. <laughs> but michael's the guy he's never he just yeah. always keeps and i have Wonder no i is. have no idea uh, why that is let me ask you just yeah. this might be a side note about this 20 million dollar minimum loan you know, we've seen in New York and other major cities, Uber and Lyft cut into the taxi business yep. in a big way. You know, there was a, a TPM reader actually who wrote in this morning kind of asking some of these questions. I mean, we've seen tragic suicides of cab drivers in New York City who want more regulation on yep. on the on the Ubers of the world. I mean, is there any indication this money is to try to save the kind of traditional taxi business that has been undercut by these new companies? We don't know directly, but I think it is a really good assumption. And in that article in the Chicago Sun-Times, it mentions how the Steiners are, are being sued by a credit union, a Chicago-based federal credit union that is basically you know, a, a taxi industry credit union for to repay a loan of three or four million dollars. So there's some signs that their business is under stress. Yeah. The thing with the taxi business, and this this is something I'm glad you brought this up because this informs everything about this issue. The in New York, and there's broadly similar things in a, in a number of major cities around the United States. The cost of taxi medallions, which is basically a license to run a taxi peaked in 2014 they were over a million dollars that's yeah. that little kind of Huge metal amount of money. metal circular thing that's, yep, that's on the hood of the car on the hood of the car since then they now sell for between 250,000 and 300,000 dollars maybe yeah. sometimes a little more so the point is they have dropped to a third of their value right not nothing still but a huge a, cut uh, exactly and and there are this guy Gene Friedman who now his name's Yevgeny but he goes by Gene Gene Friedman was like the king of taxis in New York fabulously wealthy he was the one who leased and managed Cohen's medallions. 
These guys were hugely uh, wealthy. He had a string of companies. I think a bunch of them have gone bankrupt. I mean, he's basically struggling to remain solvent because you can see if the cost of what you of your of your main asset drops to a third of its value, there's kind of no way to come back from that. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. To, I mean, and, and you know, for these people who maybe going from insanely rich to merely rich, like, okay, you know, life's <laughs> right. hard and, and maybe you were involved in some sketchy stuff. So yeah. just be happy you're, you know, kind of still free and stuff like that. But I'll tell you, there was uh, a few months ago, I was, I got in a cab and I was talking to the cabbie, a man who's probably early 60, 65 years old, something like that. And he owned his own medallion, which the vast majority of, of, of cabbies do not do that. And he... And that was going to be his retirement. When he yeah. retired, he's going to sell the medallion, like a million dollars or yeah. at least upwards of a million dollars, go buy a, you know, a, a cabin somewhere in the woods, and that's his retirement. Yep. And he, what happened when there was the run-up in the value of these medallions is that people took out loans against them, much in the way that people take out second loans on their home, yep. home equity loans to take some, you know, to access some of that value. So this guy did that, and he was very. Uh, straightforward and and frank about kind of like I didn't have to do that. You know, I thought it, I didn't think they would collapse. But again, tons of people lost their homes this way. This is like what a lot of people did. This was his yeah. big asset, and now he's got a loan that's underwater. So basically, he lost everything. Right. And again, people, you know, this is why you maybe don't take out a second loan on your home and stuff like that. But still. In the carnage of the taxi industry, there's lots of people like that who, you know, did the equivalent of what you do, save, and, you know, you have your house and you lose your house. So there's a lot of bad stuff. I would say that everything that in this story, the Michael Cohen story, the Fema Schusterman, the Steiner story, all these these different people, everything about taxis, we should see this in the context of the collapse of this industry. So we don't know specifically why he's been loaning them all this money. But again, that's a lot of money in in just like a half a year. Right. Um, but it, it's almost certain that uh, this is, these transactions seem to be what federal investigators are interested in. So let's, I guess we should sum up the, 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 the big findings are that from childhood, Michael Cohen was, grew up in a milieu around key figures in Russian-Ukrainian organized crime. Right. We now know that his father-in-law was the one who got him into the taxi business, who seems to have been the one who got him the job working for the Trump organization. And he seems to be someone who has a lot of money. It, at various points in his career, you know, he's buying up Trump properties yeah. 15 years ago. And up until recently. Until recently, yeah. like a month ago, right? <laughs> so even, so it's not like, oh, maybe he's worth 20 or $40 million. Right. Just loan to this to this one family. Right. So things are moving very quickly with Michael Cohen. And just, just before we end up, one thing that, that came out this morning is we've mentioned before that Michael Cohen seemed to have kind of like a personality transplant after after these raids. Yep. And, and like who wouldn't, right? Yeah. That is a life-changing thing. Absolutely. I don't uh, take that away from anyone. Earlier, back in the early earlier Michael Cohen era, I guess upwards of a year ago now, uh, he sued Fusion GPS, which is this private research firm that created the Steele dossier. Yep. 
and BuzzFeed, which is the which is the publication that published the Steele dossier. Right. He sued both of them for libel. Or I guess it's like defamation, defamation yeah, libel. Yeah. Um, this morning he pulled out of both of those suits. The reason is pretty straightforward. Yeah. When you sue someone for defamation or or libel. They get to ask you questions, right? And it do opens discovery. Up your own oh, yeah, too. big time. So, and and now he's got to think about that in terms of incriminating himself, right? You you, you don't you don't you don't get Fifth Amendment. I mean, technically, I guess I think in civil suits you get Fifth Amendment rights, but it can be used against you. Mm. Like I, I probably get lawyers calling in about this. <laughs> I think what it is is that you can refuse to to answer, right? But the judge will tell the jury. You can draw your own conclusions why he's right, refusing to right. answer. In any case, this seems to be another good example of a wise kind of pulling up of stakes. I don't have time for this, you know, bullshit, yeah. uh, bullying, libel suits and stuff. Right. I need to fight for my life, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and the other thing there is, if you see, there's an article, I think there's an article in Politico today about a lot of people in Trump circle telling Trump, like, do not trust Michael Cohen. Yeah. This guy's going to flip on you. And I have some reporting of, of my own that not necessarily what Trump thinks, but his family, his kids, have very little confidence that Cohen is going to remain loyal to Trump. Uh, and actually, his Trump's former lawyer, the guy who, who Michael took over from, was on, was it this morning he was on TV? Yeah. On TV this morning that... Trump called him. I think his name's Jay Goldberg. Yeah. Um, and Trump's like, "Hey, what do you think about Michael?" And, and the guy's like, "Dude, do not trust Michael. <laughs> like, the guy is gonna flip on you." Remind me, how old is Michael Cohen? Michael Cohen, I believe, is fifty-one. So yeah, relatively young-ish guy yeah. who has a decent amount of life left. Doesn't yeah. want to spend that behind bars. Yeah, I think family. he has. I, I think we. I think he has one college-aged child. I think he has more than one kid. But yeah, this is a a relatively young guy. I mean, there's a big difference between he's fifty-one. Uh, Paul Manafort is 68. That's, yeah. a, that's a big life difference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and the way, so, and this Goldberg guy was basically saying, dude, he may wear a wire. Do not talk to Michael Cohen. <laughs> and this is Trump called him last week. This is Michael Cohen who says he'd rather jump out of a building than turn on Trump. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Well, the funny, one, one, one final thing, David, that everybody's talking about is the, 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 the telling and funny thing about this whole conversation is no one says, I mean, Michael, if you want to talk to them, it's fine. Because Donald Trump has never done anything wrong. <laughs> right. There's no crimes that Donald Trump yeah, is like, vulnerable for. Yeah, we have nothing for. to hide. Right. Yeah, we have nothing. It's all kind of, it's all with the assumption of, well, obviously, Donald Trump has committed many crimes. <laughs> and, and and Michael Cohen knows about them. Yeah. So if, if, if Michael Cohen uh, decides to make a deal, Donald Trump will be totally screwed. That is like the total premise of what everybody says. Even yeah. that thing about jump out a window. Right. Like, dude, why are you jumping out a window? <laughs> yeah. Like, if nothing happens. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So, anyway. So, that is the update. Some really key, key findings. Again, be sure to check out TalkingPointsMemo.com. That is our main site. We kind of dig deep into all of these stories. And also, uh, don't forget our sponsor. Grady's Cold Brew. Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. Thanks, David. Thanks, Josh. See you later. See you later.